0: Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Welcome to the Rational Believer Podcast. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Episode 15, the ancient problem of morality solved, how can we use the rational method to deal with Euthyphro's dilemma? In the previous episode, we looked at the problem of the philosophers in using irrational thinking in determining what is knowledge and in discussing God's reality. In this episode, we'll be looking at how we can use rational thinking to deal with morality. Now, there is a dilemma in philosophy about morality coming from God, and this is known as Euthyphro's dilemma, in which the philosopher Socrates asks if the good is good because God commands it, or if the good is good regardless of the command of God. Now, these two possible horns of this dilemma and it is called a horn because it is as if you are trying to grab a bull by the horns, throws back more problems as follows. The first horn, if you chose the option that goodness is grounded in God's command, so good is good because God says it is, which is known as divine command theory, then the supposed problem here is that by accepting this horn then you have abandoned the notion that morality is based on reasons. This means that morality must issue purely from God's whims and they have to be whimsical. Now if God has reasons determining his dictates, then it's those reasons that actually ground morality. Now this horn wouldn't say much about God, what kind of God determines something as important as right or wrong on the basis of whims? This also wouldn't say much about our moral code, we would only have the rules we do because of a kind of cosmic whim, which means that you have to admit that something as grotesque as killing babies was good if God commanded it. The second horn. Of this bull if you chose it, that goodness is grounded in facts independent of God's commands. Now this acknowledges that God's role is limited to assigning to us our moral actions that are already independently good. This would mean that there is an independent source of guidance, wisdom and rules to God implying that God is limited in his authority. This second horn has also led some philosophers to even propose that the philosophers are able to uncover these universal truths and issues of what is good and that they are therefore not bound by religious commandments as they do not need God to reveal these truths to them. That religion is for the non-philosophically minded and it communicates the laws in the language of the common man, which the philosophers do not need. This whole dilemma is built on false assumptions and is wrong for the following reasons. And the dilemma can be resolved using the rational approach in thinking, which we will come to again just now, but we have already discussed it earlier. The rational approach is to base your thoughts and conclusions upon the reality that you can sense only and not upon any uncensed reality that may exist including God's reality and his reasons. From our human perspective we need to consider our end of life and what we can conclude about why we exist. If we conclude that there is a creator of the universe and man and then it becomes the source for our knowledge about the afterlife as it is this creator that will know more about our life and its end since it has created it. So in terms of what our purpose is in this universe, what it mentions about how to fulfill this purpose, what rules we have to follow, whether we can uncover these rules ourselves or whether it is the only source of these rules, what it defines as good and bad, all of these are relevant and directly linked to our purpose from the creator if we conclude that such a creator exists. However, if we don't think that a creator exists, then again, our purpose in life will guide our moral code. So for example, if you thought that your purpose is to enjoy the pleasures of life, then your morality could be driven through a sense of good being deriving maximum pleasure or utility for yourself therefore if we accept the first horn of the eutrophile dilemma that good is what God commands then to argue over what are God's reasons for good and evil and whether he has reasons is actually beyond our reality and irrational to ponder over unless God actually reveals those answers to us and as we have discussed previously the irrational way of thinking leads to speculative and unproductive thoughts. No one will base their serious actions like crossing a road upon irrational thinking, as it would mean speculating whether a driver would stop for you if you were to step out in front of him, as that is the driver's reality. But no, you base your action and thinking upon your reality. But no, You base your action and thinking upon the reality of whether it is safe for you to cross the road Your reality of whether it is safe for you to cross the road So if we judge crossing a road upon our reality rather than the driver's Then how about when the issue is far more serious like your purpose for your entire life This should also be judged upon the reality that we exist in and not upon God's reality in terms of the accusations of what accepting this leads to that this type of morality based on God's desires means that morality is arbitrary and not based on any principles thus God has no reasons to will what he does this would mean that there is no rational structure to morality, which then leads to the view that it could even be right to murder babies if God willed it, which doesn't seem right at all. The correct rational way to understand this is not to put yourself in God's place and judge from His unsensed reality. It may seem to us that morality is arbitrary, not based on any principles, However, within our limited reality of understanding there will be limits to how far we can think of morality and the effect of our actions upon the complex relationships that exist in society. The expanse of our knowledge will never match the unlimited knowledge of the Creator, and the Creator may have put a limit to our thinking in this way. This is apparent and obvious reality that our minds cannot know about the future or about the uncensored realities. For example, take a simple rule like drinking alcohol. What is so immoral about an individual drinking alcohol if they want to? You may think that this is an individual action having nothing to do with others. However, it has wider impacts upon society. The public health burden of alcohol is wide-ranging relating to health, social or economic harms. These can be tangible, direct costs, including costs to the health, criminal justice and welfare systems, or indirect costs, including the costs of lost productivity due to work absenteeism, unemployment, decreased output, Or lost working years due to premature illness or death. Harms can also be intangible and difficult to cost, including those assigned to pain and suffering, poor quality of life or the emotional distress caused by living with a heavy drinker. The spectrum of harm ranges from those that are relatively mild, such as drinkers loitering near residential streets, through to those that are severe, including death or lifelong disability. Many of these harms impact upon other people, including relationship partners, children, relatives, friends, co-workers and strangers. This is all revealed in the UK government report entitled The Public Health Burden of Alcohol and the Effectiveness and Cost-Effectiveness of Alcohol Control Policies. An evidence review. You can now take any other issue which might be a bit more complex, say an action involving more than an individual such as marriage, and then imagine the consequences and problems that could unfold if they were to be incorrect. Again, you could extrapolate the consequences to society over so-called morally acceptable affairs and the broken homes that may result. Now, when it comes to the second part of the consequence of accepting the Sworn of the Dilemma, which would mean that if God had willed for murdering babies to be good, then that would be detestable, wouldn't it? The reason why we find it detestable is because it goes against our instincts to preserve our life and that of our species. This is how we are created in our nature. However, we do not find it universally detestable to kill and consume baby cows, veal for instance, or baby sheep, lamb. The reason why we find it detestable to kill human babies is because God has programmed us to do so Assuming we have proved that God created us. So, God could have programmed us in our instincts not to find it detestable, and then it would not seem immoral. So, for instance, in the animal kingdom, it does not seem detestable to kill their own babies, mother bears, felines, canines, primates, and many species of rodents have all been seen killing and eating their young. Insects, fish, amphibians, reptiles and birds also have been implicated in killing and sometimes devouring the young of their own kind. This type of infanticide is also found in almost every primate species including chimpanzees and gorillas. Therefore to assume that the divine commands of morality could be unreasonable and immoral is incorrect. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, we'll be looking at the issue of modern day philosophers. So mathematicians trying to unravel the nature of infinity. Until next time. Assalamu alaykum. Allah Amen.